The Bible calls us by many wonderful names. We are called believers, we are called Christians, we are called saints, and we're also called followers of the way. But one title that we rarely use to refer to ourselves is the called. The called. Romans 8.28 uses this title for us as believers. It says, for we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. R.C. Sproul translates it, the called, in Romans 8.28, because the definite article is there. And it refers to the call of God for us to come to him, becoming his child, his children, in a very special relationship. And there are many famous calls in the Bible, aren't there? We think of Paul on the Damascus Road. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus of Nazareth. And then we think of Moses at the burning bush. Moses, Moses, take off your sandals, for the place on which you stand is holy ground. What is your name? I am who I am. And then we think of Peter, Andrew, James, and John by the Sea of Galilee. And the Bible says Jesus, as he came, immediately called them. So many famous calls in the Bible. Do you know whose call in the Bible is foundational for every other call, including yours? Whose call is foundational for your call? Well, the answer is Abraham. The Bible says that Abraham is the father of all who believe. So if you are a believer here today, Abraham is your spiritual father. And think of this this morning. Without his call, there's no call of Moses, no call of David, no call of Isaiah, of Peter, of Paul, and no call of you or no call of me. Everything in Abraham's remarkable life came from God's call on him. Now this morning, we're going to begin a series of studies in the life of Abraham. We're going to begin where the Bible begins, with the call of Abraham. And I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. And I want to read the first three verses which are foundational verses in the whole Bible. Now, by the way, if you know that Genesis is the first book in the Bible, you are way ahead of most Americans because the majority of Americans do not know that Genesis is the first book of the Bible. So if you know that this morning, you're uh, way ahead of most of our contemporary Americans. But I want to turn to this very important passage this morning, and I want you to follow along as I read from God's word. And listen to what the Bible says. Now the Lord had said, and I'm reading from the text note in the English Standard Version because it is a past tense. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth 
shall be blessed. Now in this seminal call of Abraham, as God calls him, there are three responses that Abraham made, and they're the responses that every single believer also makes when we are called. And they are foundational to everything in our Christian life. So let's look at them together this morning as we see what God was doing in the life of this great patriarch. Number one, God calls us to faith. God calls us to faith. As I read from the English Standard Version text note, verse 1 says, The Lord had said to Abram. The events here in Genesis 12 occurred in the city of Haran. But if you were to look at Acts 7, verse 2, Stephen says that the Lord first appeared to Abraham in the city of Ur. So Abraham was first called in Ur, then he moved to Haran, and finally he came to the land of Canaan. Here's what Stephen says happened in Ur when God called Abraham, the glory of the Lord appeared to Abraham. Some visible manifestation happened. Some suggest it was an appearance of the angel of the Lord like what happened with Joshua. It may have been a theophany, an appearance of the second person of the Godhead in bodily form. Perhaps it was a vision or a burning bush experience like Moses. We do not know how God appeared. All we know is he appeared in glory to this man. But what we do know is this, Abraham was thoroughly pagan when God called him. That might be a surprise to many of us, but it is what the Bible says. The New Testament says that he was ungodly in Romans chapter 4. Joshua said he was an idol worshiper along with his relatives. We know this about him. He was ignorant of the true God and he was immersed in sinful paganism. But the Bible says the Lord appeared to him. He put his trust in the Lord and he was saved. You know what we could say? We could say that Abraham had a B.C. and an A.C. There was a time in his life when he didn't know the Lord, and then he met the Lord. You see, B.C. is your life before Christ. A.C. is your life after Christ. And it is your faith in Christ that takes you from B.C. to A.C. And I want to ask you this morning, have you had that experience in your life? Can you remember your B.C. before you were in Christ, but the Lord revealed your need to you, and by repentance and faith, you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And now your B.C. is behind you, and you are walking in your A.C. after Christ. The call of God always begins here. It is a call to faith. Well, now, once we respond in faith, there are two more calls that come to our lives as the Lord calls us. 
And these calls are sequential. One follows the other invariably. And so after the call to faith, there is a call to follow. God calls us to follow. When Abraham believed, the very first thing God told him to do was to go. Go. And you'll notice where he was to go from. Verse 1 says he was to go from his country, that's Ur of the Chaldeans. He was to go from his kindred, that's his ethnic, tribal friends, his relatives, what we would call my kind of people, what we would say today is youpers, my kind of people. And then he was to go from his father's house his closest relatives, his immediate family, his brothers, his sisters, his uncles, and his aunts. He was to pack all of his belongings. He was to leave as soon as possible for an unknown destination. If Abraham would have said, Lord, uh, where are you calling me to go? The Lord's answer is, I'll show you when you get there. And we know the rain. Because of the rainfall patterns, we know the route, I should say, the road. Because of the rainfall patterns, there was only one road that he could have taken. He started in Ur, traveled up to the fertile crescent where Haran was, and then from there, traveled down into Canaan. Brothers and sisters, that was a thousand-mile journey. A thousand miles. Now think about this. Abraham was 75 years old. We know from the record in Genesis. He was prosperous. He was settled. He was comfortable living with his own people. And he traveled on foot. What an incredible journey. Now here's something else we need to understand. Abraham was from Amorite background. And what we know about the historical setting of the Amorites in 2000 BC is the Amorites were migrating to Ur at this time. They weren't leaving Ur. They were going to Ur. So God called Abraham to go against the flow of his culture. How interesting. Are we going with the flow or against the flow? Abraham was called to go against the flow. Now, if we wonder why, we need to know a little bit about Ur, where Abraham was. Ur was a major city in ancient Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq. Isn't that interesting to think of Abraham living in Iraq? And Iraq was the center of the worship of the moon god. There was a huge tower erected to worship that god. It was a prosperous city, it was powerful, and it was thoroughly pagan. 
You know this from studying your own Bibles, that Babylon in the Bible represents the city of man. It is human culture rebelling against God under the judgment of God. But Canaan, the promised land, represents the city of God. It is God's people under his authority traveling to heaven. So God was calling Abraham to turn away from the city of man and follow him on a journey to the city of God. Brothers and sisters, let's not minimize the magnitude of this. When Abraham obeyed, set his first foot outside the city of Ur, everything would be different in his life. His worship would be different. His priorities would be different. His actions would be different. His reactions, how he lived, what was important to him, everything about his life would now be totally different. Let me just stop here for a moment. From Abraham's response here, how would you define what it means to be a follower of the way? If somebody were to come to you and say, I know that you're a Christian, you're a disciple, you're a follower of the way, how would you define what that means? What would you say to that person? Well, based on what I see here in Genesis 12, here's my stab at it, and you just see if I'm fairly close, perhaps. Here's what a follower is. A follower is a believer in Christ with a new master who listens to his word and obeys his will even when it costs. A follower is a believer in Christ with a new master who listens to his word and obeys his will even when it costs. Many of us just watched some of the Tokyo Olympics and there were many exciting stories in the Olympics. One exciting story was the American Sidney McLaughlin she won two gold medals, and she set a world record in the 400-meter hurdles. And guess who had set the record previously? She had. She broke her own record. So here is a very sterling champion. She is a multi-gold medal winner and a world record holder. Those are some pretty significant achievements. Yet after those achievements, in an Instagram post, I want you to listen to what she wrote. What I have in Christ is far greater than what I have or don't have in life. I pray my journey may be a clear depiction of submission and obedience to God. How many think that's a pretty good definition of a follower? Let me read it again. What I have in Christ is far greater than what I have or don't have in life. 
I pray my journey may be a clear depiction of submission and obedience to God. You know what Abraham would say reading that? That's what I did. That's what I did. God appeared to me, revealed himself to me. I put my faith in him. And then I began to follow. Now there is a third part of this call in which we respond to what God is calling us to. And the third part is this, God calls us to be fruitful. God calls us to be fruitful. Notice again how it works. We are called to faith. Faith leads to following. And following leads to being fruitful. Now, in verse 2, when the Lord said to Abram, and this is before he was called Abraham, you will be a blessing, it is actually a command in the original language so that we could read it, be a blessing. Be a blessing. So there are two calls here, uh, two commands from God to Abraham. Go and be a blessing. And if Abraham would go, God said, there's a number of things I will do for you. And then if you will be a blessing, there are some more things that I will do for you. So, brothers and sisters, notice this. God is calling Abraham to be fruitful. The key word in all the promises of the Lord to Abraham is the word bless. As I read the text, you probably noticed the word bless occurred five times in three verses. Do you know this is also the key word in the whole book of Genesis? You see, after the fall, blessing was replaced by cursing. And now God is saying, I'm going to bring a plan of redemption in which I will replace the curse with blessing. And I'm going to start with this man Abraham, and through him, anybody who will respond as he did, the curse will be reversed in their life as I bring blessing instead of cursing. Brothers and sisters, listen to what this means. If we come to faith, faith and if we follow, God is promising he will make us a blessing. Is there anyone here who doesn't want to have that kind of life? I have a pastor friend who has asked me when he dies, and he's in his 80s, he's getting close to the end. He said, Pastor Brian, will you have my funeral? And I remember when he would stand in the pulpit to preach, and he would pray before he would preach, he would say, Lord, help me to be a blessing. And every Christian wants that. And so if we come to faith, and we follow, God is promising he will make us a blessing. Now, he doesn't promise it will be easy. Don't ever let anyone tell you the Christian life is easy. It isn't. It wasn't easy for Abraham. But it will be a life of blessing. Now, what is remarkable here in this passage is the passage tells us the keys to a fruitful life. Are you interested in that? I sure am. 
Here are the keys to a fruitful life, and I want to give them to you here this morning. Number one, God is the source of our blessing. God is the source of our blessing. You will notice that the phrase, I will, occurs six times here. Five in the English, a sixth time in the original language. God is making it very clear that he will do these things for Abraham because he is God's child by faith. You know what this tells me? What the world calls luck or success the Bible calls blessing. The Bible calls blessing. I learned a long time ago to stop saying to people, good luck. Because if you're a Christian, it's nothing about luck. It's nothing about success. It is about the blessing of God on your life, your salvation, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, your understanding of the Word of God, the church of God around you, the physical and personal blessings that you have. It's nothing about luck or success. It is about the blessing of God. He is the source of your blessing. Number two, God wants us to share our blessings. God wants us to share our blessings. He said to Abraham, verse 2, be a blessing. Now, here's what would happen. As Abraham followed the Lord, he would share the knowledge of God. As we're going to see, one of the very first things Abraham did when he arrived in the land is he set up an altar and he began proclaiming the name of the Lord. And he would make known to the people around him that his prosperity came from his faith and from following the Lord. And he would provoke two reactions. And these same two reactions we provoke today. First reaction, I will bless those who bless you. To bless Abraham was to recognize that God was the source of his blessing and it was to desire the same relationship with God and thereby experience the same blessing. And so such a person would put their trust in the Lord and be blessed as well. But then there was a second reaction that Abraham would provoke. The one who dishonors you, I will curse. The word dishonor here means to treat lightly, to disrespect, to repudiate, and to reject. It was to reject Abraham's God and a relationship with that God by faith, and such a person God would curse, he would pronounce judgment on them. Remember what John the Baptist said in John chapter 3? He said, he who believes in Jesus is not judged, but he who does not believe is judged already. And so John, picking up the very words that God said to Abraham, is saying, 
Some will be antagonistic, but others will be impressed, and they will believe. And then the third thing about a fruitful life, God will spread our blessing. God will spread our blessing. He says, Abraham, in you, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. And we know how it works as we follow the revelation of God. Because of his faith and obedience, God would raise up the Jews. The Jews would give us the Holy Scriptures. The Holy Scriptures promise that a descendant of Abraham would be the Savior. The Savior came and he died and rose again and now has made salvation possible for the whole world. And Christians take that message to all peoples of the earth who when they receive it are blessed. So think about this. When we make a positive impact for the Lord, we are spreading the blessing of Abraham. Think about the magnitude of this. Here is a man living 4,000 years from us. God in his glory appeared to him in his paganism, in his lostness, and said, I want you to follow me. I want you to trust me. I want you to become a believer. And if you will, I will be the source of your blessing. I call on you to bless others. And if you will do that, I will spread your blessing. And now we, when we make a positive impact for Christ, we are spreading the blessing of Abraham. What an incredible, amazing plan. One missionary who understood this very well was Karen Watson. Karen Watson felt the call of God to go to Iraq. And before she left, she gave her pastor a letter who was only to be opened if one thing happened. By the way, I want you to think about this. Karen Watson, in response to the call of God, went to Iraq, the very place that Abraham left. In her obedience, she went to Iraq. In his obedience, he left Iraq. God has an individual plan for each one of us, doesn't he? He sure does. She went to Iraq to spread humanitarian relief in the name of Jesus. But she was gunned down in the very country she went to serve. And when the news arrived back to her pastor that she had been murdered, he opened the letter, and this is what it said. You're only reading this 
if I died. It included gracious words to family and friends. And then this simple summary of what it means to follow Christ. To obey was my objective. To suffer was expected. His glory my reward. Isn't that the call of Abraham? Isn't it? To obey was my objective. To suffer was expected. His glory, my reward. And now you're hearing her testimony inspiring you to come to faith, then to follow, then to be fruitful. Let's bow together, shall we, this morning. And as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Let's just think about this call of God on our life. Maybe you're here today and you've never come to faith. And if that's the case, it's where the Christian life begins. And God is calling you to come to him. Come to Jesus in faith. And then he will call you to follow him in a life of obedience. Listening to his word, obeying his will. Often going against the flow of the culture. Because you now have a new master. And then God promises, I will bless you. I won't make it easy but it will be filled with blessing, the right kind of blessing. And if you'll share that blessing, I'll spread that blessing. I know every believer here in this church today desires that kind of life. Would you this morning, as the Spirit of God speaks to your heart, let him lead you in that commitment. Father, thank you for your call upon each of our lives. We are unreservedly yours for your purposes, for your glory, for your kingdom, for Jesus' sake, amen.